for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Anthony Slater, who covers the Warriors for The Athletic, about their win over the Lakers on Monday night, getting back above 500, and what this upcoming stretch of five games means for the identity of this team. Certainly playing better basketball as of late, and a huge win, a come-from-behind win against LeBron James and the defending champs on Monday may set the Warriors on a pace that could put them back in the postseason in 2021. All stuff we can talk about with Anthony Slater, who joins me next. It's Wednesday. January 20th. Always fun when we can catch up with Anthony Slater, covers the Warriors for The Athletic. Anthony, we had you on right before the start of the season, I want to say, and there were so many questions around the Warriors lineup, their roster, storylines around uh, whether or not James Wiseman was going to be ready to go. And 13 games in, I guess my opening question for you, man, is what do we know? (laughs) Do we know anything, Anthony? Man, we know a lot and nothing at all. Um, It has been... (laughs) It's been a roller coaster to seven and six. I mean, the first two games, they look like the worst team in the league. They were the worst team in the league the first two games of the regular season. I think they got blown out by a combined like 80-something points. And then they had a really good charge in the middle of the homestand where Steph Curry had a 62-point night and said, hey, I'm Steph Curry still. Draymond Green returned after a long absence in camp to start the season. And suddenly he had like two or three really nice vintage performances in a row. And you're like, okay, like, Maybe they're really getting some momentum. Then they go to Denver and play. I thought Draymond had one of the worst defensive games of his career. Steph has had some up and down struggles. We've seen Kelly Oubre go through maybe one of the worst shooting slumps I've ever seen out of like a, a high level rotation player. And then you know we haven't even got to the Wiseman roller coaster, which is it's like a you know if, if we were at a theme park, that's another thing going on over here. Is this like 19 year old up and down? He has highlights that look like man, this guy's like future Giannis, future you know superstar and then he has nights like he did against the lakers where he's just a clear net negative to even being on the floor making rookie mistake after rookie mistake so all of that leads to seven and six through 13 games which i think all things considered it's pretty good honestly i think from where they came opening night against the brooklyn nets which by the way is a completely different team now than where they were a couple of weeks ago i guess about a month ago when the season got going i guess a better question for you and this was asked of steve kerr last weekend and he he sort of hit on this i'm wondering he said at the beginning of the season, their goal was to be a top defensive team in the league. And we saw their pace and their transition offense early in the season. They could get up and down the floor, but they were not scoring. We've seen better glimpses, I think, of defense from them over the last couple weeks. You talk about the the vintage Draymond Green performances. Obviously, his return has been a huge factor in that. Kelly Oubre, I think, has been a decent defender so far. Andrew Wiggins, I think, has exceeded expectations, at least in that realm. I'm wondering for you, what's the identity of this team 13 games in? Are they a great defensive team? Are they a good offensive team about 500 for you what's the takeaway I think they're better defensively than offensively now there's arguments that they need to prioritize offense and shooting more because that would maximize Steph Curry better Uh, their starting lineup has been really bad it's one of the worst high usage lineups in the league and that's because you know Wiseman and Oubre's out there breaking a bunch of threes Wiseman's out there making rookie mistakes and and sometimes Oubre's even like crashing into Steph Curry off the ball because he doesn't know where to go But Steve Kerr has stuck with it because he said he would prefer to 
you know, commit to defense early, sort offense out later. Um, and that should theoretically be a really good defensive unit. You mentioned Wiggins, that he's top 10 in the league in, in shot blocks. He's been a really good, sturdy, like every night perimeter defender. Ubre, not quite as steady from just like a possession by possession basis, but he just makes stuff happen out there. I mean, he was great in the Lakers game, you know, a couple steals, a couple blocks, caused the late turnover with just his energy. He, I think he kind of ticks opponents off, which is the way he kind of acts out there. He's doing first downs every time he gets a turnover and then you have Draymond who on good Draymond nights this year and there's probably been about six of them so far if you look at their defensive ratings in those games they are a top 10 unit because he just changes everything with the way he reads off ball he directs his teammates he comes he erases mistakes sometimes he comes over a weak side and tips something away that should have been a dunk or a layup and then the big question you know can they become their best version defensively it really revolves around Wiseman center is such an important defensive position in the NBA uh, as the anchor on the back end you're you've got different pick and roll coverages you need to rim protect you need to even at times be a good post defender because they're still even though they're getting more ancient by the year there still are good post players in the league and he has had flashes he's had some like I said highlight plays he had he blocked Demonis Sabonis to half court one time off the backboard uh, he is I believe he's still top 10 in the NBA in just pure blocks but Rookie mistake after rookie mistake. With you know, he got caught in switches in the Lakers game. Dennis Schroeder went by him. Sometimes he fails to know his personnel. Draymond Green is trying to guide him in that direction. And the answer to your question of can they be like a top ten defensive unit? I think two months from now, the answer to that is has James Wiseman made the necessary defensive growth? We won't know until we know. Uh, and I'll have better answers week by week by week with him. But they do need growth from him. And Steve Kerr saw that, him coming off the floor after the fifth foul in the third quarter against the Lakers. He comes by and he hits the water cooler. And I guess Steve Kerr said after the game, he turned to Mike Brown and said, I like that. He's a guy who understands he's made mistakes and he's not complacent with what he's done. But part of this is you get to the Western Conference and you're talking about big men who are still around. Yeah, he saw Sabonis with the, the Pacers, but you're going to run into to, uh, Jokic. You're going to run into Rudy Gobert. You're going to face Anthony Davis. He's going to go through growing pains. You think it's going to be a couple times through the league before he starts to figure it out? Or does he have so much natural ability that once he starts to click, he's going to start to dominate. Yeah, I mean, I think there will be a moment where you know in this rookie year, like, ooh, he's much better than he was a couple months ago. But the reality is he's going to be better in year two than year one, year three than year two, year four than year three. That's just kind of typically the growth of of young high lottery picks. But they're trying to speed it up as quick as possible. And part of speeding it up is playing him at times when maybe another option is better to close the game. But it's like, look, they just need to get Wiseman the experience. I think he'll benefit coming up from from lighter competition. I think it was good for him to see a Jokic game, to see a Davis game. He's played Giannis early in his career. You know, he's gotten that brighter stage, light bulbs popping. These are the best you know, teams, the best big men in basketball, fight Serge Ibaka in a back-to-back, go against Lillard and McCollum in, in two straight games, and how do you guard them in pick and roll? And he got better in the second Blazers game than the first one, and and even, uh, you know, when he faced the Pacers and Sabonis and Turner. But I think coming up, getting Spurs, Wolves without Carl Anthony Towns twice in a row, the Knicks, like, that'll be good probably to get his confidence because I would say maybe his best game of the year, one of the, his few best games of the year was against the Kings when he was just awesome in that game because the Kings just were bad defensively and it gave him a bit more runway got his confidence going he was getting alley-oops because the Kings had a bunch of leaking on the backside. so I think a lightning schedule is coming at a good time for him right now we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors 
we saw a bit of a change against the Lakers on Monday night, and Steve Kerr said he's going to stick with it, and it's how he manages that second unit. I think everybody's high on what they've been able to do with Wanamaker, and Eric Paschal's been fantastic, and clearly they were missing him when he had to miss the game with the, the false positive COVID test, but uh, he was fantastic against the Lakers, and the switch he made there was Wiggins stayed on the floor with Steph at the end of the first quarter, and he pulled out Kelly Oubre and then started him in the second period, said he might stay with that unit. What do you make of that switch? And, and we talk about Oubre out there kind of crashing into Steph a little bit, not knowing exactly where to play. You had a great line, I think, in, in your article after the game against the Lakers where you said he hasn't adjusted to the Steph Curry ecosystem yet, which I liked a lot. Uh, what do you make of that move and, and how effective do you think it was against the Lakers? It's almost a middle ground. You know, a lot of people want Oubre just pulled from the starting lineup and his minutes almost entirely separated from Steph Curry. Curry doesn't seem ready to do that. He, he wants to you know, continue to push defense, defense, defense with this team. But the middle ground was getting Oubre out earlier to get him away from Steph and then putting Oubre back in with the second unit right when Steph goes to the bench. It's really in a unit where it's simplified from a mental standpoint. It's simpler basketball. Hey, just catch an attack. There's not as much off-ball movement. You don't have to think about where to backstream. You know, hey, Steph Curry's coming over for a relocation three. There's none of that. And Oubre can get his offense going better there. He did last night. It's a bit more slashing scoring. And that does take Wiggins out of that lineup. And Wiggins is helpful in that lineup. Uh, He's, you know, because He's probably the second best scorer on the Warriors. But at the same time, Andrew Wiggins can survive in Steph Curry lineups better than Oubre can. Andrew Wiggins just is Andrew Wiggins. Like that for good and bad, right? I mean, like there are flaws to being Andrew Wiggins, but the one thing that's very different than Kelly Oubre, night to night, mentally, you don't know where he's going to be. He seems to get in his head on some stuff. Andrew Wiggins could be going through a slump and you don't even know it by his facial expressions. Or he can be like 9 of 10 shooting and you're like, oh, he's just kind of doing what he's doing out there. So I think Steve Chris found out through 13 games that that switch makes sense for the rotation. When it comes to that second unit, things sort of, I don't want to say figured themselves out, but things started to click a little bit better after Marquise Chris went down, which is ironic because I thought Chris was pretty good. I liked him in that second unit. I thought his energy off the bench was good, but it, but it looks like it maybe helped Eric Paschal a little bit. Would you agree with that? A lot of it, yeah. And this is not an indictment on Chris. It's just that Pascal was miscast. Last year as a rookie, they, they tried to make him a wing because the thought was, hey, the, it was such a experimental season when they were going 15-50 and 50 and everyone was injured. And Pascal was playing really good. And there was no Draymond around for a lot of the season, no Steph for pretty much the whole season, no Clay. Pascal was playing really good as a four-man, basically in Draymond Green's place for, for large chunks of the season. And they said, well, they want to try him at the wing, at the three, because next season, which I'm talking about this season, that's where they had the biggest hole. They didn't have Andrew Wiggins yet. This is when they still had D'Angelo Russell. And they found out very early on in that experiment, oh, he is not a small forward in the NBA. Now, he probably most naturally is a power forward, but on this team, Draymond Green fills that role. And when you put him next to a center who can't shoot, like they've had Pascal in lineups next to Kevon Looney, it's awkward. He, he's trying to go downhill, and, and Looney and another center are blocking the way, and he's being guarded by a wing. But what they found making him a small ball center in 2021 is he kills backup bigs. They're too slow for him. He's stronger than some of them, or at least as strong. And uh, they are getting a ton of important points in the second unit with them just spreading the floor around him with no centers. It's all wings who can kind of shoot, and then just letting him go against you know, Ennis Cantor, Avika Zubac, uh, and he's scoring at extremely efficient clip off the bench. I think he had 19 points in 19 minutes on 8 of 11 against the Lakers, and if you look at his game log, pretty much every game, you know, he's making 60% of his shots, and he's getting up a bunch of shots in, you know, 
18 minutes, he's going to get up, you know, 11 shots, something like that. And it's worked. And, and, you know, it's sad for Marquise Chris that he had to go through that injury, but yeah, it kind of did accidentally bump the Warriors into something with Pascal. Yeah. It helped Pascal find a role and and you find comfortability in that second unit. You're right. Driving and attacking those backup big men has been huge. And again, they missed him big time. I was looking at the bench that night. I was like, man, where are they going to get this scoring from without Pascal? But next five games, San Antonio, uh, the Knicks, Utah, and the two against Minnesota. That's a little stretch you were talking about. That's going to put him at 18 games for the year. And it's going to put him at the 25% through with the season mark. You'll be a quarter of the way in. What do you make of these next five games? And what are you looking at from them? What do you want to see? after these next five to give you a little bit better of idea of what this team's identity is can they go four and one is my question they should go three and two now look if they go two and three one and four like that you know that's uh, a bad sign but this is a Spurs team that I would you know if the Warriors believe they are a six c five c seven c whatever like a, a firm playoff team then they should be better than the Spurs now the Spurs are eight and six they've been a surprise earlier this season they will not be an easy out but like I said, if, if the Warriors want to gain momentum, beat the Spurs, then you should beat the Knicks at home. At Utah's tough. That would be the, the one, I don't want to say guaranteed loss because nothing is guaranteed right now in the NBA, but that's clearly the toughest. And then you, you, you bounce back after that Jazz game with those two Wolves games at home, which are important for two reasons. Number one, you need to pile up those wins against a, a you know, the Wolves team has been the worst team in the league, really, to this point. And Carl Anthony Towns sadly has coronavirus right now, so he'll he'll be, he will not play in those two games. And why I say doubly important, as we all know, the Warriors own the Wolves' first round pick, so any loss that you uh, you know shovel to Minnesota will potentially help your future. So an important little five game stretch coming up, which, like I said, I would like to see the Warriors show growth and go four and one in this stretch. That's what I'm looking forward to, Anthony. Thanks so much, man. We'll keep reading you. We'll keep following you, and we'll catch up with you down the road, man. All right. Thanks for having me. Great look into the Warriors again tonight at Chase Center against the San Antonio Spurs. And as he mentioned, sort of a soft spot in the schedule here. So five-game stretch to sort of figure some stuff out for the Warriors. We'll see if that little switch between Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre Jr. works out. Steve Kerr said they would still run with that system tonight. So make sure you check out Anthony Slater after every Warriors game on the All-82 podcast and catch him during the week talking Warrior Hoop on the Warriors Plus Minus podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. And you can always read him before and after every Warriors game. Thank you to Anthony, thank you to Brian, and thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is that you're listening. On Friday, we'll dive back into some NFL with Mike Sando, who covers the NFL for The Athletic here. we got to talk about this Deshaun Watson situation. Who's going to win the sweepstakes? Is it the 49ers? Is it the Saints? Is it the Las Vegas Raiders? Are they in the mix now? All stuff we can talk about with Mike Sando on Friday. And then next week, we'll dive into a little Giants baseball. So stay with us throughout the week. Throughout the weekend, we'll be back with you Friday talking Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans.